Hello. I thought I would open today's podcast with a favorite poem. This is a poem by Mary Oliver. If you've followed my work for any amount of time, you know that I have a little bit of a thing for poetry. I find it to be these bite-sized, quickly ingestible doses of like soulful nourishment, (laughs) something that helps to get my mind and heart and soul in the right place, especially if I'm in chaos or grief, or if it's just busy, if I feel a little off, sometimes I'll take just two minutes and read a poem. And I find that it's a thing that really resets me. Mary Oliver is of course, one of the famous great American poets, and she's the winner of the National Book Prize, the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, She died a couple of years ago, but left behind a substantive body of work that I think is really a gift for those of us who are looking for these bite-sized chunks of soulfulness. So the poem that I thought that I might share with you today is called The Journey, and it's one that I use a lot in my work. I find that it has a lot of utility for folks who are trying to balance multiple priorities and multiple demands on them. And I think you'll hear in the poem, there is an invitation to be quite centered on the nourishment and protection of your own life force, of your own life. So this poem is called The Journey. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late, enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company. As you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the one thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. In entrepreneurship, our challenging stories, our painful stories are often as important to our fuel as are our gifts, our assets. And so I think a poem like this helps us to remember that sometimes it's the things that we're running away from or deciding to leave that are also really valuable in shaping us and not always in bad ways. So hopefully this poem serves you today. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host. I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs. And I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Acting like a child 
is actually a great thing. It's great for your mental health and it's great for your business. So in this video, I'm gonna give you a few tips for how you can level up your own ability to act like a child. Not because it's gonna give you problems, but because it's going to make your life richer, better, make you more productive and more connected to the people around you and to yourself. I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist for entrepreneurs and high performers. And sometimes the advice that I find myself giving in the consulting room is really counterintuitive to the people that I work with who have very serious, important jobs. Often they're running companies with two, 300 employees. And it's really important that they are dialed in, right? Not messing around because it's easy to make decisions that put the well being of the company at risk. And nobody wants that. But one of the things that I often suggest to my clients is that they begin to think about how to show up in a little bit more childlike ways in their lives. And maybe you've heard the Buddhist principle of beginner's mind. I think the childlike mind is a similar idea, which is where you as an individual, as a grown-up, begin to let yourself be in a state where you facilitate a little bit more childlikeness. There are a couple of things that I think are really, really helpful to your mental health and well-being about childlike behavior. The first is play. Play is the ability to engage in activities that are joyful and pleasurable, not necessarily with a specific outcome or objective in mind, but because they are rewarding in and of themselves. And play is really helpful because it helps our brains. It's sort of like exercise for our brains. It helps us integrate memory. It helps us with flexible thinking and problem solving. It helps us think about novel concepts or new ways to solve problems that may not be our typical patterns. So play takes us out of the like linear, goal-directed, getting from point A to point B and allows us to be more meandering, less linear, more flexible. And that means that our brains are working in less traditional, less directive ways, which allows us to come up with creative and innovative solutions to the problems that we're facing, and also allows us to have a little bit more fun, to bring a little bit more joy and pleasure into the work that we do. So when I talk with folks about being more childlike, one of the things that I really emphasize is play. What do you do for play? Can you bring a little bit more play into your workplace, into your life? Maybe that's building Lego. Maybe it's uh, putting like a dartboard somewhere in your office. Although I guess that could be a little bit dangerous. So, you know, be careful, make sure you're in good terms with your employees before you put a dartboard anywhere. Play can also look like getting out a big piece of poster board and a bunch of colorful markers to architect something or map out a problem or even take notes in a really different way. Maybe you put the laptop aside for a while and draw, scribble, get a little creative with how you're expressing the thoughts and things inside of you. All of those are play tools that can be helpful to you in your problem solving, in your work productivity, and in your level of fun. Another element of childlikeness that I think is so helpful to the executives and leaders of the world is to practice a sense of awe. Do you remember being a child and seeing something for the first time that just blew your mind? I remember being a little kid and seeing the first like big full harvest moon. And it, you know, I'd certainly seen the moon before, but there was something about being up late 
after dark and seeing a really big sort of yellow, orange, golden moon that I was just like awestruck about. And so the capacity for awe to kind of have your mind blown, to understand yourself and maybe see that you're a little bit smaller than, you know, the scope of the universe is a really good practice for those of us who carry heavy responsibilities. And when we can practice awe, we take ourselves out of the center of our own worlds and sense the bigger scope of the universe. And we also have a sense of beauty and wonder and a break from the pressure to have everything figured out. When you're a leader, when you're running a company as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of kind of implicit expectation that you know what you're doing all the time, that you're driving things forward all the time. And when we're in awe, we're just sort of this recipient of the wonder of the world. And it helps us move from this expectation of like, always on forward, always linear, always going, to a place where we can just receive the beauty of what's around us, to be inspired by what's around us. It helps our system regulate, to calm down. So when we're always amped up and always directive, our body is necessarily activated, right? It's on guard, it's ready for action, it's going to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. When we practice awe, we're slowing that down, we're stopping that, we're breathing, we're noticing, we're observing, we're taking it in. It's a wonderful practice for our mental health and for that inspiration that can inspire creativity. The last piece of childlikeness that I love to see leaders implement is curiosity. One of my favorite words in the whole world, but a sense of just being outside of knowing and into wonder. So it's a little bit like awe, but usually awe has something outside of us that's really catching our attention, capturing us. Curiosity doesn't, you know, we don't have to be in the presence of a giant moon or the Sistine Chapel or an amazing piece of art or the Grand Canyon. Curiosity can be much more meandering, can be about small things, it can be about big things. It can just be this desire to understand how things work. And again, this is without the directionality of, I've got a problem to solve, I will march forward. It's again, this more passive meandering. I wonder how it works. I wonder what if. I wonder how that person feels. I wonder what would happen if we did blah, blah, blah. So creating space for curiosity, again, same kind of thing, allows for novel problem solving, allows for creativity, allows a calmer, more regulated body to just be still and wonder. When leaders show up like this, playful, with awe, with curiosity, it kind of infiltrates their whole organization, their whole company, and people are less worried about knowing, less worried about executing without mistakes, more inspired to participate in processes that are healthy. They're inspired to take risks, to be more creative, to be more collaborative. And all of this process is good for everybody's brain. Again, we're working with flexible brains that are less rigid, less committed to like doing the same thing over and over in the same way, and much more open to a, a wide range of possibilities. So instead of it being an insult, stop acting like a child, let's let it be an invitation. 
start acting like a child, thinking like a child, bringing a little more childlikeness into your company, into your work. With play, with awe, with curiosity, our bodies settle, our brains flourish, and we have more fun both in our own inner worlds and with those around us who we are connected to in the context of our work. For more strategies to make your leadership journey a little bit more enjoyable, um, you can follow me at Sherry Walling on X, formerly known as Twitter. Find me on LinkedIn as Sherry Walling or follow me on Instagram as Dr. Sherry Walling, so DR period Sherry Walling. Love to connect with you and learn more about what your challenges are, what would be helpful to you as you become the best leader, the best entrepreneur that you are trying to be. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.